Hi, I'm the self-development coach, Johnny Lawrence, and welcome to the Self-Development Podcast. For me, the resilience is accepting when these things happen. By having a toolbox, right, and you want to add all these tools to it, and you can just flip it open and pick one out at the time it's needed. Because people say to me, like, do you get stressed? I'm like, yes. They're like, do you get angry? I'm like, yes. But I know how to respond to it in a better way. And it's this idea of, yeah, not trying to live this utopian reality, but knowing how to handle things when they come up. Today, I'll be speaking with Adam Lind. Adam is a mindset coach who helps both individuals and workplaces build resilience by teaching practical and accessible tools influenced by both Western and Eastern cultures. Adam has always been drawn to helping people and after overcoming major adversities in his own life, he was left completely controlled by his mind and thoughts. A six year journey of travel, discovery and research has allowed him to harness a broad range of supported knowledge to help others combat stress, mindset and adversity. He undertook a journey with his wife to travel from London to Asia by land using only hitchhiking as their method of transport. They crossed 26 borders by land and placed their trust in the kindness of humans. They learned invaluable lessons interacting with people from all walks of life while sitting in their cars. Adam now lives full-time on a 59-foot narrowboat with his wife. They enjoy the primitive and active nature that living on the British waterways entails, as well as the nomadic sense to explore the UK. Adam, thank you so much for being on the Self-Development Podcast. How are you today, bud? Uh, better after that intro I, I'm, try, I'm trying to write a book at the moment I definitely want you to write the blurb <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I went for that sort of like Bruce Buffer introducing the boxer type thing you know <laughs> yeah I li- I've never felt this good in my life actually thank you I need to just carry you around and hear that all the time oh, man. yeah no I'm really good thank you how are you doing oh, I'm good thank you the sun is shining that always makes me happy I'm sure you agree um, it must be difficult I uh, know is it difficult sort of living on a boat with, with the weather can that sometimes be quite challenging actually the first thing someone told me when i moved onto the boat was that the one thing you'll learn is that the weather in england is not as bad as everyone thinks it is and i'm actually going to say that's true it's because when you live on a boat you have to be outside every day for one reason or another now we've got a dog it could be to walk the dog but there's always something you've got to do yeah and actually as a year as a whole it's never that bad like this idea that it always rains i feel like it's a bit of a myth and um, obviously when you're in a house or when I used to live in a house, you see the grey sky, it's not very appealing to go outside and you've got like your central heating. But no, actually, quite blissful, actually. Yeah, I'd imagine actually like living in a house with the central heating and stuff, you create this sort of unrealistic microclimate, don't you? And you kind of get used to that and then you compare that to outside, you know, whereas Absolutely. I suppose if you have that baseline all the time, it probably isn't as bad as you think it is. <laughs> I get really hot when I go into someone's house now. Like I feel like I'm always extremely hot. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's perfect. And in the winter, we've got the log burner, so it keeps us nice and warm. And in the summer, we've got to be outside, so it keeps us nice and cool. So I really, I, I just really admire the way that you live your life. I just think it's like, I want to say brave, really, but I don't know if it is. I think it's just really like, you're, I, a guy once said to me, when I told him I lived in Cornwall, he said, I always admire people that live in holiday destinations. And I was just like, oh, cool. I didn't think of it like that. But, you know, you've got to stick it a step further. Like, you're absolutely free. And I just think that's absolutely fantastic. It's great. And I mean, I think I learned the hard way sometimes that freedom is kind of like a concept, right? Because mm. 
you can be completely free externally but if you're not free internally then it doesn't really count for anything so similar to living on the boat and similar to when I did my travels everyone would always be like you're so brave or like mm. I don't know like you're so amazing for doing this and my reply to all of them would always be like I'm actually nothing special like the actual hard part is just making the step to do it and I feel like once you make that step and you do something the kind of the hard part's over because you're just living and you're rolling with it and it becomes yeah. a new normal and you know I feel like sometimes in the UK we've got this fairly closed mindset about like what normal is I was having mm. this conversation with my sister-in-law the other day because she was talking about being normal and I was like, sometimes I feel like in the UK, we feel like we're the center of the universe and everything else outside is really strange. Mm. So I was like, if we went now to like Africa to where people are still living in tribes or tents or when I spent time in India, they to us, they would be laughing at us. Like our normal of like living in these houses with all these things that we have is like laughable. Yeah. So like normality, you know, is such a con a confined concept i feel so i'm going super philosophical straight up <laughs> right I, I think it's amazing like yeah, i think we should just close it down now that's just that's a knowledge bomb right <laughs> thank you for listening <laughs> no it's funny I, I i've had um i've had something uh unfortunate happen to me recently and it's really i always find that whenever i I'm going through hard times which happens to everybody um i feel so drawn to things like buddhism and just recently, the, the whole quote that like attachment creates suffering, um, that's really speaking to me. And, it, it, you know, having this realization that we never really own anything. You know, we, we think we own our homes, our cars, whatever. We, we sometimes think we own our partners in, you know, like this is my wife or this is my husband. And I've just come to realize that, like, if you can let go of that, it doesn't mean you can't love things. It just means if you can let go of that, that ownership. The sense of freedom is there it's because it, it, you never really owned it in the first place i i live in this house but someone else will someday too and someone else will own my car and, and things like that and i just find that that there's a lot of peace in that concept at the moment i'm having to practice it quite a lot i have to remind myself all the time that i don't own this you know this thing doesn't matter it's just a thing you know but i think it does cause a lot of stress it, it has done for me anyway <laughs> Absolutely. I remember when I was in India, uh, I was we were training to we were doing a yoga teacher qualification and I went there kind of thinking it was going to be a lot about like the yoga that I know, like stretching and stuff like this. Mm. But that was actually a very small part of it. And most of it was more like kind of internal yoga. Mm. And there'd be these amazing workshops on things like attachment and someone put their hand up and they were like, how do you not get attached to like my my wife or my mom? Like, you know, I'm going to lose them one day and it's so hard. Mm. And he was like the best way to be not attached is to love them 100% because if you embrace it 100% when you have it then when it goes you kind of not got this like lack or regret and oh. I think for me that's where so much of this attachment comes from is like once we've lost something it's usually down to like the regret of not having it anymore because we never appreciated it fully in the first place so oh. I try bearing in mind I'm gonna say as I say on all these things like this I have a lot of answers it doesn't mean I live by them <laughs> like most of the things I'm yeah. saying I'm saying it's the same to myself yeah but like I catch myself and I'm like are you enjoying this 100% and most of the time it's no and now if I knew if I lose it it's gonna be really hard right yeah. so wow. yeah attachment is definitely one and I think having the boat it feels like a minimalist lifestyle but before this because we were traveling for so many years it actually feels quite maximalist to us and we have a lot of stuff yeah. And like the other day, we were, all we wanted to do was go wild swimming, right? And we're packing up the car and we walk into the car and we're like, oh, we forgot this. Let's go back. They're like, oh, we forgot this. Let's go back. And I was like, we got in the car. We finally left. I was like, you know what the problem is? It's not our forgetfulness. We just have too much stuff. Oh, like man. what happens to just leaving 
barefoot going for a swim wherever we want but now we need the speaker we need the packed lunch we need the beer we yeah. need that extra pair of, pair of clothes the towel i was like it's just stuff man like yeah. too much stuff oh man i got goosebumps you're absolutely right it's, it is it, it's funny because it's so easy i've done it loads of times I, i've got rid of loads of stuff and made the declaration to myself that that's it i'm not going to buy any more stuff and then 12 months later i'm back doing it again <laughs> and i yeah. just think well how did this happen it just creeps up on you i mean kids is is one that you know you collect a lot of rubbish when you have children you know um lots of stuff that you think means something when actually it it, it doesn't because what means something you know we have this thing that oh i don't know a picture that your your son draws or something like that that's not what you love you love the son you love the fact that he drew the picture and stuff like that but it yeah that attachment to it means that if anything ever happens to it you're really really sad right uh, I, yeah. I agree with that that's a lovely way to put it i don't think i've ever heard that before that's 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 awesome um anyway we're probably about 10 minutes in and i haven't allowed you to introduce yourself properly <laughs> um tell people a bit about yourself and your journey so far so <laughs> as i said to you earlier i find this such an interesting question as you can tell i'm a talker so i try and make it somewhat brief but yeah my name is adam lind as you've already heard um by profession i'm a mindset coach and i guess an entrepreneur and I live full time on my boat. It's been a very interesting journey to get here. I grew up in London, moved out of London when I was 18 to go to university. Um, and I think that was the first time of me kind of understanding there was life outside of London. Mm. Um, and yeah, where to go with this? I guess if we we're talking about my journey in terms of mental health growing up, when I reflect on it now, I suffered really badly with what I now know to be called intrusive thoughts. Right. And the best way I explain intrusive thoughts to someone on a relatable level is it's this idea that like you could be standing on a train platform and you're not suicidal, but your mind will be saying like, what would happen if you just jumped in front of that train? Mm. Or I could be in a car on the motorway and my mind would say to me something like, what would happen if you just opened that car door right now? Like I didn't want to do it and I was yeah. never going to do it, but my mind was asking these questions. Um, and I didn't know much about intrusive thoughts, but they were controlling me quite a lot. But I never really spoke about it. And then at the age of 17, I lost my father. And it was a real kind of like, they came up again really strong. A lot of kind of existential anxiety, these ideas around trying to contemplate death. And as you've noticed, I think I've got naturally quite a philosophical mind anyway. So like, I couldn't really process his death for multiple reasons, but also I was like, but where is he? Like, what happens? after death right and I was only like 17 so I'm trying to balance like wanting to meet girls and go clubbing with like wondering what's going to happen to this meat vessel when I eventually die and it was just it was just it was just a lot it was a yeah. lot and I turned to some like hedonistic tendencies to I guess in reflection block out and avoid what was going on um and then I was lucky enough to meet my wife at university and we went on this journey together to try and hitchhike from London to Asia so had this idea uh, we got as far as turkey we actually got to the border of iran and we couldn't get a visa to get through to iran and pakistan but whilst in turkey these intrusive thoughts that had left me for quite a while were, were coming up really strong and going back to something we spoke about earlier i remember i was like lying on a hammock on a beach like drinking a fresh orange juice and like you know externally i was so free like if you would have taken a picture of me right now and showed all your mates they'd been so jealous but inside i was like a mess like I wasn't happy I wasn't in control of my mindset at all isn't that like 
the whole principle of like Instagram and some of the trappings of it is that like you say there in that moment, if you're taking a picture of you, it would have looked like you were living the dream, but actually you were living a bit of a nightmare in your own mind. You know, that's absolutely. Sorry. Absolutely. Carry on. Anyway, and, no, it's fine. <clears throat> and um, yeah. And that basically led me to come. I said to, I, I kind of broke down on the side of the road to my wife. I'd never told her about these intrusive thoughts. And I was like, look, I'm scared of death. I'm scared of my own mind. I know this is going to come as a shock for you, but I've been living this way basically for years and I'm finally ready to admit it. So we came back to the UK and this was now maybe five years ago. And I was sitting in the spare room at my mum's home and I seen a book on the shelf called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. You might have mm, read it or yeah. you might have heard of it. Yeah. Ironically, the book had been given to me a few years before and I, I remember flicking through it and I was thinking like, this guy is on crack. Like, this is, <laughs> this is the biggest load of nonsense I've ever heard. So something made me pull over and pick up the book. I was reading it, and I now say it as like the book that saved my life because right. it basically was my insight into every thought I have is simply that it's just a thought, and I have control over each and every one. Which essentially, to kind of fast forward today, moved me into this work of being a mindset coach. Basically, coming from the standpoint of I used to wake up every single day and be like, what is the point of being alive? And now thinking back to that, it feels like a different person and those thoughts are somewhat laughable. So I know that we can retrain our mind through lived experience. Hmm. So that's that's kind of my journey, if that makes any sense. No, it does. I mean, what a fantastic, well, you know what I mean, obviously it mustn't have been a very pleasant experience, all of that, but look where you are now. And I think there's a lot to be said from that. I think sometimes that suffering creates that resilience that allows you to continue to move forward, you know, and to, and to, to build a better life. I mean, it's the one thing I say a lot to my clients is like, you, you will realize that you have far more control over your life than you realize, you know, because uh, a lot of people, are, especially with things like mobile phones, um, I like mobile phones, they're, they're helpful, but they, they're also very controlling. And I think people outsource a lot of themselves to their phones, you know, people have to realize sometimes that they aren't their Instagram, that real stuff does happen. And actually, um, are you really supposed to be able to be contacted all of the time? You know, mm, boundaries, know. isn't it? Yeah, it's like, yeah. And something I'm trying to work with still all the time, like I also do a bit of work on social media, I have like a social media platform, mm. kind of documenting our life on the boat and like, yeah. just my thoughts and my mindset stuff. And I have had to set some really harsh boundaries of yeah. You know, when I wake up, I have a hard rule that for the first hour, I'm not allowed to look at my phone Love it. because otherwise I can literally get up and I'm just lost in it. And it's yeah. like you say, it's like, am I living for myself or am I living for the pictures that I want to take and put online? And yeah. I think this is something that not often people speak about, especially when they have a platform like this. So sometimes I will look back on a post and I'll be like, was I, was I even enjoying that as much as I was projecting that in that moment? Mm. So I've really tried to now tailor this and try and create more authentic content that I feel like actually resonates with me rather than stuff that's like clickbait and going to get likes and followers and stuff like that because it's empty like yeah. you could give me 10 million followers right now but it's going to be just as empty like I said if I don't feel happy with myself you know what I mean that's right I mean I, I mean for, for what it's worth I love your Instagram I was just saying to you before we press record your your stories yesterday were, were a joy they absolutely were like like watching all of you try to fix the boat and you talking about the kindness of others and you know being visited by a duck I just thought it was great I mean that's that's lovely that's really lovely and actually I and believe that's the stuff that actually fills my soul like it's not this kind of edited 
perfect angled content you know it's literally me like running up and down the towpath like expressing my thoughts and feelings as they're happening like yeah. that to me is pure do you know yeah. what i mean yeah because that's more, life like, isn't it fil- yeah it's yeah. the filtered aesthetic side of it it's all a bit like superficial i think yeah it can be yeah absolutely i mean i i don't get me wrong it sounds like i hate instagram i don't i i like it but it's just unfortunately um when every person i work with um it comes up at some point you know in some way you know things like a lot of stuff from the pandemic you know where people were struggling with homeschooling and struggling with a great deal of other things not having a job illness things like that and other people were i don't know doing some baking cakes with their kids and looking like life was just easy i think it triggered a lot of people and it upset a lot of people but as we all know like that's a snapshot of somebody's life isn't it it's it's a snapshot and Absolutely. it's the bit that they picked i i always laugh i say i say to people all the time never have you been having a blazing row with your partner and stopped to take a selfie <laughs> it just doesn't happen does yeah, it yeah you know? i love that example because yeah. i get a lot of messages saying things like oh you and lauren are so perfect or like yeah. i wish i had a relationship like yours and lauren's and don't get me wrong i love my relationship with my wife but we argue, we had an argument yesterday. Yeah. And it's like, and I say to these people, I'm like, if I got my phone out and that moment started filming it, she'd throw something at me. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's not that I'm trying to only show the good parts, but there's like, I think naturally as well, we like to share when something's nice. Yeah. But like, I was yeah. like, I'm not hiding the fact we have an argument. I also just don't feel in that moment that I want to record it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's this a... hard balance, isn't it? People yeah. only showing the good parts, but also quite understandably because... Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to film a row that we're going to have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I like to now try and talk a lot more openly about the trials and tribulations of, of everything in our life because, yeah, it can be very glorified on Instagram for sure. Yeah, and I suppose that's that's one of the things that I took, like not realising it till you said it from, from your stories, is that you were talking about something that must have been really quite, you know, it must have been quite a concern at the beginning that your boat wasn't working and, and things like that. And um, you just documented it, like um, how you repaired it and stuff like showing that you do have daily troubles, you know, um, because yeah. it's very easy, I suppose, to think, to, to picture you as having this idyllic life. I mean, even now, sat there, I can hear the birds in the background and stuff, and it, it, you know, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, all it would take is a bit of rain or, um, I don't know, something. And, 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 and your day changes completely. It's a mood, some of them things can be mood changing, right? So... Yeah, I guess it is a lot to do with mindset as well, though, because one thing I did find interesting at the end of the day yesterday when we'd been kind of laughing and documenting, like something wrong with our engine and it led to something else going wrong and something else going wrong, something else going wrong. But we had a really great day. And what one thing that really struck me, and I spoke to my wife about this yesterday, is I had a lot of messages from people saying things like, oh, if that was me, I would have been saying, oh, I've had the worst day. Or if that was me, I'd be saying to people, you wouldn't believe the bad luck I've had today. And I said to her, I was like, it's times like this, we need to actually check in and give ourselves credit because those thoughts didn't even cross my mind. Actually. Mm, it was like, amazing. This is, this is what's happened and let's deal with it and let's have fun with it. Yeah. Um, and that's not me blowing my own trumpet because there was a time when I would have definitely been like, oh, I can't believe what's happened to me today. Yeah. But the fact that that wasn't even like in my radar was, was yeah it felt good actually it shows that all this work i've been doing for so many years is actually <laughs> yeah little tick there i mean yeah. I, I i always say to people as well like it's that it's that rumination around mm. bad days and bad feelings is what keeps you there it's like picking the proverbial scab of a, of a healing wound isn't it it's like that rumination just keeps you in that whatever happened it just keeps you there 
it just keeps you there and then you have other people confirming it to you telling you how you should feel you know oh i'd be really annoyed if that happened to me or what well, aren't you aren't you pissed off about this and it's like well no but should i be wait <laughs> you know start questioning yeah, yourself really, you know but i mean someone said to me yesterday he was like when you have an idea or you have something you really believe in, you actually want to keep it to yourself because when you start telling everyone else and you start getting fed all of their opinions, mm. that's when actually your mind starts to change. But if you actually mm. just listen to yourself, then usually you have the answers you want anyway. Yeah, it's one of the reasons that during the pandemic, I didn't watch the news. Um, I know what's going on. Unfortunately, at the time, people were dying. The death toll was going up. People were getting ill. Everyone was panicked. People were losing. I knew all that. I didn't need to be reminded of it every single morning, you know, as I turn on the TV, you know, half an hour after waking up, turning on the TV, I'm just hit with misery, misery, misery. And I, you know, obviously that doesn't mean I don't care. It just means that I've got to somehow get my family through this pandemic and stay positive and upbeat and optimistic. And that wasn't going to (laughs) help. So I I I haven't watched the news in, I don't know how many years and I could go on for hours about why i don't like watching the news one of the first things i recommend to all my clients is stop watching the news yeah Um, yeah. but it's hard because i also try and hold in all my beliefs that like i know nothing Mm. so i don't like to come from this point of like i know you shouldn't watch the news because at the end of the day it's my opinion yeah it's just perspective isn't it not much good comes from it yeah exactly it's just perspective you know you you know you found something helpful it's like uh it's like what we as coaches we offer tools you know and we we try to tell you where to use the tools but what you don't want to find is you're trying to use a saw when you need a hammer, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So it's about, it's about understanding how to use them tools. And, and actually sometimes understanding that sometimes the tools fail. Sometimes mm. the tools don't work. Sometimes the, the, the thing you have to do in that moment is experience it, you know, absolutely, and, and, and try when you're ready, when you are ready, which is important to try and take that learning if you can, because there's always a little lesson, whether you want it or not. <laughs> there's always oh, a little 100%. lesson. <laughs> Even when I look back now about losing my dad, I say it's one of the most beneficial experiences of my life mm. because it catapulted me into this world of being able to understand my mind and having to understand my mind at such a young age. Yeah. And I feel like if that didn't happen, I would, wouldn't know half the things I know now. So I'm so grateful for that experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what a wonderful way to look at things. Um, what do you think led you to want to help others then? I think, like I say, it was this. I, I feel like I've always been someone that people leaned on for advice anyway, um, like just naturally, even when I was young. And then after I got myself out of this hole and I was like, wow, like I've literally retrained my mind. I kind of like, yeah, have you heard of this idea of like the Messiah complex? Like you hear something that's a good piece of information, you just want to go share it with everyone straight away. Yeah. Um, and it's usually done in like a non-constructive way. Like I could be watching half a YouTube video, I'm not even finished it. And I'm like texting everyone like, do you know about this? Or like my, my coach will give me a tool. And before I've even used it on myself, I want to tell everyone else about this yeah, tool yeah, before yeah. I've even applied it. So I think naturally I'm the kind of person who just wants to share information. Mm. And once I'd, yeah, kind of rewired my mind and got out of this hole, I was like, surely I can give this advice to other people now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it came from that standpoint. And I think also like living through purpose, like I was never cut out to have like a, I had an office job once for like a year when I was 19 and like, it just didn't work. No. And I knew back then I would always be self-employed. I remember saying to my mum, like, mum, just so you know, like I'm never going to have a proper job. And she was a bit like, you idiot, like, well, one day you'll wake up in the real world and now I'm like 30 and she's still waiting. But <laughs> I think it also came from this path of, yeah, wanting to be an entrepreneur and wanting to do something for myself definitely was a, was a factor yeah. in helping people in my own way. Yeah. So yeah, multi I, mean, I, I guess. 
I mean, that's this thing, isn't it? It's like being a coach, people think that you think that you think maybe that you've got all the answers, but it's not bad because there isn't any answers. And the things that you do and the things that you know will will impact your day in the way that it impacts your day anyway. It doesn't, it doesn't matter like that you know this stuff. Like we can all know that you should um, choose to respond instead of react, but sometimes we still react. <laughs> it's just the way Absolutely. it goes. It just depends on what's happening. You know, but so often- many times I'm with a client and I'm like, telling them this stuff and i know i'm speaking to myself like i'm mm. speaking to them but i'm actually the amount of times the client will show up with an issue and it's like the exact issue that i'm working on at that time is just fascinating it is that, is that that's that's very interesting as you said i had that happen to me recently and um it's just funny you find yourself talking and you have this little moment of playfulness with yourself where you're like you hypocrite <laughs> you know, you're just Absolutely. trying you're just trying your best I've got a question for you. Do you have a goal in life? Do you have that one thing that you want to achieve, but no matter how hard you try, there's always something that seems to stop you? I found myself sort of stuck in a rut, really. I've always wanted to write a book, but I've never done it. I just felt completely stuck in a hole and I didn't want to be in it, but I didn't know how to get out of it. For a long time, that was me too, until I figured out a way to finally overcome my limiting beliefs and not take no for an answer. And I want to teach you to do the same thing. That's why I've designed the Life Goal Discovery four-day masterclass. I feel probably in a more positive place now than I felt in a, in a long, long time. It's genuinely changed my perspective on everything I do on a daily basis. I've done big things, I've done well. Four days of on-demand coaching sessions from myself, showing you how to fulfill your potential and get closer to your goals. Do you want to discover a path to that one thing that you always wanted to do? Stop what you're doing now and sign up for my masterclass by heading over to schoolofselfdevelopment.com. But I mean, I believe that one of the best qualities a person can develop is resilience. And I know that you've helped many people build this. So I'd love to know, like, what's your definition of resilience and how can people build it and develop it within themselves? Good question. I think for me, resilience is this idea that like, I think there's a bit of a misconception with people wanting to like get rid of stress and get rid of bad thoughts and get rid of things from their mind, get rid of anxious thoughts. And to me, that's just not possible. Mm. So I think the resilience is acknowledging that these these things are going to happen and having the tools to respond to them, like you say, responding rather than reacting. So yeah, for me, the resilience is accepting when these things happen and then choosing it's like having a toolbox right and you want to yeah. add all these tools to it and you can just flip it open and pick one out at the time it's needed because people say to me like do you get stressed i'm like yes they're like <laughs> do you get angry i'm like yes but i know how to respond to it in a better way and it's mm. this idea of yeah not trying to live this utopian reality but yeah. knowing how to handle things when they come up yeah i love that i mean it's funny i, I know these two brothers right both grew up in the same house right one of them uh, was a uh, bit older he'd been through quite a lot um with the family beforehand and um the other one hadn't quite got as much of the sort of bad stuff that happened and what's interesting is that you would think that the one that went through all of them hard times would really really struggle and have lots of mental health issues when he's older and lots of therapy to sort of work through them troubles but the resilience he has is unreal it's because he has been tried and tested over and over again, and he knows what he's capable of, and he knows what he can handle, and he knows what a 10 feels like. You know, like when you go to the doctors and they go, on the scale of one to 10, well, that depends how, whether you've ever had a 10 before, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, well, yeah, and I think resilience is matched with adversity, like you say, and sometimes yeah. I feel, I think I got lost in this bit of a trap when I was a bit younger, 
and someone would lose like a great grandparent yeah. and they'd be like so upset and I wasn't able to show compassion because I was in this state of like well I lost my dad mm. or like someone will be upset because like something their phone broke and I'd be <laughs> like are you being serious but yeah. if that's the worst thing like it's that saying right the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you mm. so if you've not gone through some really bad times and that worst thing is going to have potentially as much impact as someone that's been through like a 10 yeah. So I think it's also moving in this space of compassion of everyone will handle adversity differently based on the adversity they've experienced yeah. in their past. You're so right. I mean, like I said, I, recently I've had some 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 troubles, pretty serious ones. And before that, weeks before that, I had loads of decisions to make around my business and every single one of them felt like a 10. And then when this actual 10 came along, I realized that these things I've been worrying about were barely a two. <laughs> you know and all of a sudden the answers came to me just like that because I realized how unimportant they really were you know so yeah. I think that that again is the, the source of resilience in my opinion but I mean how, how do you think people can build and develop it coaching I think like honestly like yeah. this isn't even to me like having a coach having a mentor and educating myself has just been so I think it's having that outside opinion that you don't know and having someone actively listen to you and someone that's done the work to learn the skills. Yeah. Like I can't imagine not having a coach and not having like people to guide me now, even as someone that wants to guide other people. So I guess, yeah, if I'm being honest, that's been, that's been my main, my main source of resilience. And like, like I said, educating myself, reading books, listening to podcasts, like I've taken so much fruitful knowledge yeah. from outside sources because you know there's only so much you can maybe learn from your own small circle or your own friendship group and if your friendship group isn't one that likes to talk about this stuff that's why podcasts are so great right yeah, yeah. that's why documentaries can be so great i've learned so much just from walking up the towpath with my headphones in and listening to someone that inspires me yeah um yeah. so yeah and i guess just being open to it and being patient yeah i mean uh, my mentor he always says to me education and experience equals wisdom and I, yeah. I absolutely love that. I mean, uh, he, he talks to me a lot about it, philosophical loneliness, he calls it. And it's um, the idea that, you know, you can go to a conference or whatever, or you can go anyway, you can go out for drinks with friends, you know, and you want to talk like we're talking now. You want to talk about all sorts of deep and meaningful things. They want to talk about Love Island. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't really have a lot to bring. So you can sit there with people and feel lonely. Because you're not, <clears throat> you're not able to have the conversations that you want that that call that create all this, you know, the wisdom and good feelings and create a good experience for you that you can nurture and and sort of like you know I don't know take something from you know, so um, yeah, resilience very powerful coaching I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what you just said I can really relate because I've had you know people say like surround yourself with people that that like that interest you X Y Z but I think it's a lot harder than that because for myself I've got a lot of friendships I grew up with who like you say way more want to talk about Love Island and things like this mm. um, and there's been points in my life where I'm like do these people serve me do I want to be their friend anymore. But I heard this amazing, have you heard about these four C's when it comes to relationships? So you've basically got um, the four C's are care, competence, character, and care, competence, character. Compassion? The other one. No, the other one's going to no. come to me in a moment. But no. basically it says what we tend to do is, is we look in the other people of, we, we're looking at other people for what they don't give us rather than what they are, oh, consistency rather yeah. than what they do give us so let's put for example my mother she cares about me more than anyone on this planet right 
but when it comes to um, competence, if I wanted to know something about coaching or podcasting, I probably wouldn't go to her, right? I might right. go to you because you've got competence. But if we're being honest, you don't care about me anywhere near as my mother. And consistency, we don't know each other that well, right? We're probably not going to speak every day. But these friends that say talk about Love Island all the time, consistency, I've known them 25 years, right? So they're that consistent part of my life, but maybe they won't give me the competence I need. Mm. And then I've got friends that I made traveling who are musicians and artists. They bring so much character in my life. But again, they're all free spirits. So there's no consistency. I might speak to them twice a year. And I've really tried to apply this to like, what what of the C's do you give me rather than what C's do you not give me? Mm. And it's allowed me to kind of see the beauty. I've actually made a joke to some of my friends now when they're annoying me and I look at them and I'm like, remember consistency you give me consistency <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's become a joke like they'll say something to me that they know i'm gonna hate about like veganism or mindset and then they'll be like to me remember we give you consistency oh, i love that but i love it yeah. Um, but yeah and i this tool really really helped me with situations like that's, that that's fantastic that's a really lovely tool i haven't heard that before actually that's that's really nice i love that i'll look out for that through this podcast that if you start using one of the seeds i'll be like uh-oh <laughs> what, yeah what about, what i didn't about, coin it by the way i stole it from jay shetty so oh, every, everything everything's stolen from somewhere isn't it you know there's there's rarely rarely any new 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 information in the world i mean yeah. like yeah i mean that's such a wonderful way to look i've got a friend and he always says like you have different friends for different things you know, and if you go to a friend who you know is funny, really, really funny, always makes you laugh, doesn't take life very seriously, but you need really, really serious life advice, then it's you that's messing up, not them. <laughs> you, can't, exactly. you, you can't become friends with somebody and they get angry for them being who they are. You know, that, that's, that's who they are. Right? Exactly. You know? And I've been lost in that trap so many times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we all go through challenging times in life. I mean, and, and that, that, that seamlessly brings me on to my next question. How, how clever. <laughs> it's like, would you Why be able to share? Oh, wow. Once or twice. <laughs> um, would you be able to share with us one of your most challenging situations that you've been through in your life? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I guess it's the one I've, I've, I've touched on mm. already, but it was, it's, yeah, it was just this, this sense of, the best way I explain existential anxiety is I would wake up every day, no part of me wanted to kill myself at all, but I did have this looming thought of just like, what is the point? Like, within the next 70 years, Matt, I'm not going to be here, and neither are you, and near enough is anyone I meet. And it was just like, it was like I was so fixated on this fault. I felt like no one else was understanding it. Mm. And it was like, I wanted everyone else to be like, do you not get it? Like, yeah. there's no point in any of this. And it's like, it sounds so doom and gloom. And if this is like triggering someone, I apologize. But the reason I'm now saying it by laughing is because you reach a point where you can actually find the beauty in that as well as the, the hardship. Mm. And you could also move into the point of like, despite whether it's true or not true, it, it was just a thought pattern I was fixating on. And once I retrained my brain, so like I went through this phase and I do this thing with my clients, but like I named my mind. So my mind is called Jimmy. So it reached a point where like, if Jimmy again was doing this whole like, da, 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 I'd be like, Jimmy, mate, enough. Like seriously, enough. And like I like contextualizing my mind as as this like character. Like I, I drew him, I know what he looks like. He suddenly had less control over me. Yeah. And the way I always explain the mind, right? The mind is a muscle, probably the most powerful muscle that we attain. And just like the muscles in our arms and the muscles in our legs, they need training, right? Yeah. But because the mind isn't tangible, so we don't like see it growing and shrinking like we do with our biceps when we go to the gym, 
we don't put enough emphasis on like training, stimulating, resting and relaxation. But once I started to see my mind as something that I had to really take care of and curate and, and enhance and train, I was like, okay, like I have power over this thing, right? And then slowly and slowly, like the thoughts were getting less and less to the point where now I can say I never, yeah, I would say I, I don't remember the last time I had an existential thought. It's been years. Oh, that's um, good to hear. So that's... yeah, that's that's kind of a bit of an insight on that. Yeah, well, I always say to people, like the one of the most powerful questions that you can ask yourself is, especially when you go through like difficult times, is how can I think about this differently? How can I think about this differently? You know, because at the end of the day, you get one life. Yeah. And I know that sounds all very, you know, very American, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, through the, I, I grew up with childhood trauma, quite significant. I had battles of addiction and stuff like that. And just recently I've had some, some, some pretty nasty things happen. And what I've come to realize is that you have to choose to focus on what helps and heals, not what hurts and holds you back. You have to choose it. You have to choose it because all day, you know, every day, it's very unlikely that you feel miserable every second of every day. So when you don't feel miserable, what are you doing? Who are you with? What's happening? Because that's the stuff you should be focusing on. You should be doing more of that because I find people get sad and they go and listen to sad songs or they go and watch sad films. I'm like, why are you doubly down on being sad? <laughs> like, does it make sense? It's not easy. Sometimes you have to pretend a little bit. You have to go amongst friends and you have to try and pretend, but actually you're fine really quickly, but that pretending just becomes who you are and what you're doing, you know? Um, you have to really try. Like, I think that's the bit that people don't realize about life. Like, the, it's not about trying to make it effortless. Actually, it's the effort. It's the effort and the attitude that you put into your life that makes a big difference. I believe this anyway. You know, um, and sure. it's not... I... Sorry, go on. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I think another thing I've learned with all this mindset stuff is that sometimes we actually put too much emphasis on the mind and mm. uh, not enough on like somatics. So you, yeah. you know what I mean when I talk about somatics, like the body. Yeah. So I feel like talking therapy, this used to really trigger me because I'd call myself like a talking mindset. Like I, I do mainly talking and I was watching all this stuff that was like talking therapy doesn't really get you anywhere. Mm. I was like, how rude, like I've helped loads of people. But they're talking about the idea of using the body as well. And when you talk about rumination, like you can you can replay the same thoughts in your head again and again and again but a practice i love is like moving into the body yeah. so when you look at emotions scientifically they say that emotions actually only last for 90 seconds mm -hmm. so emotion right energy in motion is moving and they where they usually felt at the beginning as physical sensations within the body and once you can tune into where that emotion is so like if i'm feeling anxious or sad and i feel it in my stomach or i feel it in my chest I can actually release that through my body, whether that's through movement or breath or sound, rather than like thinking about it all day and weeks and like trying to think my way out of every problem. Yeah. I think I do a lot now is actually use my body more than my mind mm. because I find it's a much fast, like a fast track way to moving through things yeah. rather than trying to make sense and contextualize everything. Yeah, you're so right. I, 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 it's funny you talk about that 90 seconds. I recently came across that myself in the last year. And I, I find myself saying to people all the time, you know, make sure you're not thinking your feelings into a problem because like you can have a feeling of resentment and that feeling can lead to anger. Anger is not the emotion. Anger is the reaction to the resentment. But some people don't realize they're experiencing resentment. And actually, that's OK. You can you can experience resentment. You can experience envy. You can experience all these different things. Just let them go 90 seconds and don't think, oh, hang on a minute. 
oh, I'm resenting this person. Oh, they're, they're horrible. I should cut them out of my life. I should do this. I should do that. Why did I let them in my life? I'm such a loser. Before you know it, like you've taught yourself into a real mess, you know? So Absolutely. sometimes it's And about, then you'll just ruminate it. Yeah. And, you, and then you'll start telling everybody else. And then you'll start talking about this. And you're just carrying it on. And then, then days turn into weeks to months to years. And before you know it, you know, you've got a really serious problem that started from a feeling of resentment, you know? So, um, yeah, I think it's really sad, actually, especially as a culture and especially in the West, how, you know, these ideas of like keep a straight face or like Mm, don't do anything embarrassing in public. Like now, if I'm like if I can feel like anger or like anxiety festering in my body, I'm like shaking. I'm dancing like a madman. Like if anyone saw me, they think I was crazy, but (laughs) I'm fine then after that. Like there's one piece of advice I give to anyone is like use your body use if you want to go and just like scream into a pillow or like and you want to let your emotion out through sound i think it's so healthy rather than always trying to think your way out of the problem do you know i've never done that before until a few weeks ago i was driving in my car and i just i was thinking about stuff that had happened and i just screamed and it felt really good. So I did it again. And I was just like, wow. And I, I think it's like something I might try and do often. I think you've got to pick your place though. Because <laughs> someone hears yeah. a grown man screaming, they might call somebody. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. But you know what's yeah. fascinating? The amount of clients that I've got to a point where like, I can just feel them fester. And yeah. I'm like, I'd, I'd like us to get a pillow and scream. And I'll do it with them. And I'll scream. Mm. 99% after they let this scream out, they just break down in tears. Yeah. And it just yeah. shows that it was just this stored emotion inside them that wanted to come out and mm. they're like then they're laughing they're like, i don't even know why i'm crying I'm yeah. like, because you've just released something that you've been trying to release you thinking about it for maybe weeks months or years and actually all you need to do is let it out yeah. and physically let it out and it's so powerful yeah that's incredible that really is incredible what a lovely example of it you're right you are right like that trapped emotion there's a there's a book i can't remember who writes it like is it the the body keeps the score or something like yeah, that yeah yeah, yeah. and um that that's very powerful talks about the science of actually how we do hold trauma in our body i found that fascinating i really did find that amazing because i i think i have a bit of that going on sometimes <laughs> i'm too sensitive to it now though like if i even have like a disagreement with someone i'm like shit i can, I can like feel all these different parts of my body and then i'm like shit like I need to get rid of this part I need to get rid of this part yeah like, yeah can be quite intense but yeah like it can it. it can be but again it's about managing it isn't it and it sounds like you've got, you're getting it down i mean we, we're never complete are we i always say like it's called self-development because it, you know you're always going to have to do it as you when you're when you're when you're 20 your value system is different to when you're 30 to when you're 40 and you have to keep updating it i, I use the example often about iphones and and things like that you know if you stop, if you don't update your iPhone, it does. It really quickly stops working, doesn't it? You know, and it's. It, I think it's a good example of like, for me, I believe our value system is like the software that we that we hold it within ourselves. You know, we are the hardware or meat vessel, as you called it earlier. Uh, but that software is is our value system, the things we value. But they can change, especially when we had children. Our values changed a lot. No longer was it important to drink into the early hours of the morning because you knew that the kid is going to wake up at five o'clock crying and that wasn't going to work <laughs> you know so yeah. you had, you had and to i think your values should change i think that's a really yeah. beautiful thing we don't glorify again as well like i had a couple of friendships that did fizzle out they'd say to me oh you've changed so much and i'm like good mm. like i don't want to stay the same for the rest of my life you yeah. know and if that doesn't match you anymore like i can respect that but this idea that oh you've changed is always said as such a bad thing yeah and it's like i hope i change again in the next few years you know like i want to evolve continuously and always be changing my dynamics and thought patterns and ideas and ethics 
Yeah, I mean, I, I recently um, went sober almost two years now, and I had to reevaluate quite a lot of friendships because they didn't serve me. They weren't good for me. I found that I was getting a lot of judgment all the time for the way I was. And, and actually, a lot of people found it quite triggering, you know, when I'd be around them. And I'd be happy, like, not drinking, but they couldn't get their head around it. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sober, but mainly because I have, I've had challenges around alcohol. I don't believe everyone should stop drinking. You know, I I think alcohol is great. Like, you know, you can have a good time with it and all that sort of stuff. The problem was I'm, I wasn't built for it. Like people say to me all the time, like, why did you stop drinking? And my, my new thing I say is because I'm not very good at it. (laughs) Like, I'm just not good at it. Like I I, I took me a while to work it out, but I'm just not very good at it at all. So I just knock it on the head, you know? Um, it's not something I want, it's not something I want to put a lot of work into, you know, but like I say, like, you know, I'll still be with friends and like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be stressed or whatever. And I, I found myself saying that, you know, why don't you have a drink? You know, even though yeah. I, I won't, <clears throat> I won't do that myself because in that moment for them, that just takes the edge off and allows them to move forward, you know? So it's it, so it, interesting. I find the same with vegetarianism. I had this conversation with someone yesterday. I feel like there's a, people are triggered and feel like there's a stigma around you. If you have something So like mm. I'm vegetarian not because I, I think nobody should eat me. Mm. I, I, I think people should eat me. I see all the benefits of me. I personally don't want to eat it. Yeah. But when you tell someone you're vegetarian, they've, in my experience, they've instantly got this idea that I'm going to even judge them because they eat me. Yeah. I think they shouldn't eat me. Like yeah. They've created this whole thing around me. And then yeah. they're like, well, why don't you eat me? I'm like, I personally, at this time of my life, don't feel like eating animals. Yeah. Maybe that would change in a year's time, in a week's time. Maybe it will never change. And I also feel like you can do whatever you want. Mm. But again, similar to exactly what you said, like, I feel like there's this, they're triggered and there's this stigma that I'm going to be judging them now because they do it. Same with the drinking. And it's so interesting. Yeah. Someone said to me the other day, how can you say that you're never going to drink alcohol again? And I said, I didn't. (laughs) I I didn't say that. (laughs) I didn't say that. If I get to 50 years old and and I'm in Spain and me and my wife are, looking at a nice sunset and there's a glass of wine and I fancy some, I might have it. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to put that in me. There's that I have to, whether I want to or not, not drink alcohol ever again. But I know that right now in this time of my life, that drinking alcohol doesn't serve me. As I say, I'm not very good at it, but later on in life, when it doesn't have such an impact on the rest of my life, then maybe I will. I don't know. Mm. I just have to cross that bridge when I get to it. <laughs> no, hundred percent. I think that's such a better way to be. Yeah, it's a bit more freeing, isn't it? It's, you're putting all these boundaries and restrictions on yourself sometimes can be um, counterproductive, I think, you know. But I mean, I'm sure you took a lot of reflection from that challenging time in your life. And, and I think you spoke quite a bit about it. But I mean, what I'd love to know is like, what did you learn? Because I think that whole idea of you traveling and hitchhiking, I just think that's so fabulous. There's a film called Into the Wild. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah. yeah. And it, it made me think about a little bit. I'm sure it wasn't quite the same as that, but like the idea that you learn so much from people just sitting in that car is I can really, that really resonated with me. I really thought, Oh, I bet he did really learn like quite a bit from sitting with all these different characters. You know, I bet there were some you really didn't get along with or, you know, not didn't like, but just for all, oh, you know, can't wait for we get to where we're supposed to be, <laughs> you know, and then there were other people that yeah. you didn't want to get out of the car, I'm sure, you know. So what what did you what did you learn from that experience traveling hitchhiking? Great question. So I'd say in total, as you expressed at the beginning, so we crossed 26 borders by land. I think we had over a thousand hitchhike rides. And I was trying to think recently like how to context if you could contextualize what you learn. I'd one say that most people are the same. 
as in that they want for the same things, which is basically connection, shelter, and food mm. in whatever way they find that. Um, also, just the natural, innate kindness of humans. Like, we had people pick us up from like families, teenagers, old people, single people, you know, friends, like any walk of life you can imagine picked us up and took us somewhere. The amount of people that not only took us somewhere, would go out of their way further than they needed to, take us back to their house to sleep for the night, take us wow. out for lunch. Like some, the stories of kindness I could share with you are just like unbelievable. I'll share my favorite one really briefly. We got picked up from this girl who was in a van. We were somewhere in France heading towards Italy and we didn't really have much of a plan. We needed to be in Italy in two weeks, but we knew we could have done it really fast. And she said she was driving like five hours south and it was further than we wanted to go, but we were like, fine, let's do it. We got in her van and she took us to Lyon, which is like a really big city in France. And we're not really much of city people. So we got into the city and she was like, here's your place, blah, blah. And we were like, we don't really like it here. Like, is there any countryside you can take us to? And she was like, I actually live about half an hour south from here in a, in a village called Chambéry. I can take you there and I'll drop you in a field and there's like places you can camp. So we had a tent. So she drove us there. And then when we were getting closer, she was like, do you know what? I'm actually driving to Switzerland tonight to go to a festival. If you want, I can just give you the keys to my apartment and you guys can just live in my place wow. while I'm not there for up to two weeks. And if you're still there in two weeks, great. And if not, you just leave the keys under the mat. And like this girl, she just picked us up from the side of the road six hours ago. Fast forward six hours, we're in this beautiful like penthouse flat overlooking this like quaint French village. And she didn't know us. She didn't know us at all. Like she barely knew our name. And wow. this, what's crazy is that sounds crazy, but I have countless experiences like this. So I think just the, yeah, the unbound kindness of humans is just insane. That insane. Is, wow. <clears throat> what a wonderful story. That's really, that is, and I, be, <clears throat> I believe you that I bet you have got stacks of stories like that. Yeah. That's like one that sticks out, but yeah, I have so many, particularly in Turkey, like Turkey for us was the friendliest country we always make this joke that like our average wait time in turkey to hitchhike in was around i'd say a minute like <laughs> usually the first car would always stop um but, and they would insist on taking you for lunch and not just any lunch like a massive lunch so if we were doing like a big journey we'd get in a car say they were only going 40 minutes we'd go with them go for lunch they'd take us to the side of the road you'd wait for the next car and they would insist on taking you for the same kind of lunch. <laughs> and you'd be like, honestly, I am so full. And they're like, please, please, please. And I'm like, I, it's not you, I promise. I just don't want to eat anymore. So sometimes we'd have to like wait to hitchhike just because we knew we'd have to go for a massive lunch every time. <laughs> That's amazing. It's like, uh, I could know, mate, you just keep driving. I'm too full. <laughs> honestly, car. literally. But they, they want to just give, give, give. So it's so hard. And it, you feel so guilty saying no, it's like offensive. Yeah. Like, we'd yeah always bargain with like what about just an orange juice like i drank so much orange juice in wow. turkey just to avoid eating so much food that's incredible i love it i mean i i love the fact that you say that like that ki that kindness because I, I i've got told a story a little while ago by somebody who who kindness saved their life they were on the verge of committing suicide they had planned it they were going to do it it was early in the morning and they were about to do it and they kept hearing this flapping 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 in the background and um, in the end, they were like, I need to know what it is. And it was a pigeon. It was a pigeon that was stuck. So what they did is they picked up the pigeon and they took it to be rescued. And uh, 
got it all sorted out and it had a broken wing or foot. I can't remember which it was. Anyway, the point was that they didn't commit suicide because they saved the pigeon. <laughs> and uh, I just thought kindness saved you. That's insane. You know, yeah. <laughs> and connection and just yeah. like purpose. And yeah, I think being of service, I also would say as well, like some people would say things like, that, do you feel bad? Like you were just taking, taking from people when you were traveling. And I never saw it like that. And again, mm. I found that quite like triggering to hear, mm. but it's not for me. It was like, it's an exchange, right? Like we were giving to them yeah. just by being with them and like experiencing and telling them about our culture and like, you know, it was an experience for them as much as it was for us. Yeah. Um, so I think this idea of like mutual exchange as well is like so prevalent. Yeah. It depends how, what you hold value on. I mean, that, that person's got the company of you, which I'm sure was wonderful and your wife. And, uh, you know, they were, if they were on a five hour journey, that, that must've been quite a nice thing to have, you know? So I'd imagine it was an exchange. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I uh, think one final thing it taught me as well is like, I grew up, I feel like growing up again with British media, we're quite prone to like the subtle racism without even mm. meaning to like, when I told my family, I was going to Romania, they're like, Oh, but be careful. They might steal from you. And I said, I'm going from Turkey. Be careful. You might get killed. Like, all these things and I don't blame my family for saying these things because I think it's systemic conditioned racism yeah um especially for older generations but also just yeah like it's, it really stops me like fearing people based on like I mean if I'm going to be really blunt about this obviously you should never fear someone based on the color of their skin or whatever but I think systemically I did because mm. of things that were fed to me through my family and the media yeah. but it really spread this equality out between like all walks of life because again we're all the same and that's one of the nicest things it taught me as well yeah i think i think when it comes to racism my belief is that it's about intention you know if you intended to offend me you've offended me if you didn't then you haven't and an example of that was uh i was at my son's rugby game a little while ago and there was an older chap behind me and he was telling a story to a friend and he referred to a black person as a colored person and Everyone around me gasped. Now, I live in Cornwall, so it was, there was a high chance I was the only black guy there. <laughs> but, but like everyone gasped and I, I couldn't really be bored with it. So I sort of didn't, I acted like I wasn't paying attention. Anyway, when we got into the clubhouse, someone came up to me and said to me, um, I'm really sorry that you had to hear that. And I, and I sort of went, are you talking about the chap saying coloured? He said, yeah. I said, look, what you have to understand is that guy, what is he, late 60s? I said, that was his attempt at being politically correct. Because mm. when he when he was growing up, saying coloured was the right way to say it. Just because mm. you've changed it or society's changed it doesn't mean that he's caught up yet, you know? And it's about intention. If you intend to be racist and offensive, then then you most likely will be. But if you say yeah. something like that with the intention of trying to be politically correct, but it's not politically correct, I'm not sure that's the same thing, you know? <laughs> uh, you know I, mean? I couldn't, honestly couldn't agree with you more. And again, the way that the world's changing now with like younger generations and like everything, like, you know, you can't get a word out of line, no. you know, you're going to offend so many people. And I completely agree. And same, like sometimes I'll hear like my uncle, he's 80 and he'll refer to someone as like half cast instead of yeah. mixed race, you yeah. know? And again, it's like, he's just trying to explain the person to me, like the context of the story isn't about their color, <laughs> yeah. but he was just like trying to make me remember who he's talking about. Yeah. And it's, it's innocent. Like it, yeah. I, like, like you say, intention over everything. It's all about intention, man. And it's like, you know, I've obviously encountered racism many, many times. Um, most recently, I got called the N-word online. And it's just, my initial reaction was sadness. It's like, who carries that level of rage around with them all the time? Like, 
But that's going to come out in road rage. That's going to come out in the post office. It's going to come out in the supermarket. That's that's not good, man. That person's in enough pain. I'm just going to move on. You know what I mean? I'm not going to I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to send a message back. It's not it's not about me. It's about them. You know. And and like you said, look at all the people that you met of all these different cultures. And if you're racist and you 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 don't get to do that. You don't get to experience different people, different music, different foods, uh, different experiences, you know, and that's a shame, I think. I think it's a real shame. And I think I, I feel sorry for somebody that's in that situation more than I am angry really? at them, you know? Yeah. But I mean, hey, hey. what led you to like you and your wife to make that incredible c- decision to sort of live on a 59 foot narrowboat? I mean, let's get to it. What, what made you do that? Because that's just fantastic. So I think we'd been traveling for seven years. We'd spent a year in India and we were kind of starting to feel like we needed some roots. Like traveling's amazing, but like never having your own bedroom, never yeah. having your own consistent space for anyone. But also as a couple, I think we're starting to take its toll a little bit. Yeah. Um, and like anything, it was like too much of a good thing. Like by the end, I'd stopped appreciating the hitchhike rides as much. They'd taken you back to their house to sleep. Like, I remember, like, that happening once and me being like, oh, cool, and being like, whoa, like, to yeah. someone else, this would still be the best thing ever. It lost yeah. its magic a bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we decided to come back to the UK and um, had no plan. Temporarily moved in with Lauren's mom just as, like, a base, and then the whole COVID thing happened. Um, and her mom had gone on a walk one day with a friend, and he was. she came back and was like, oh, I've just been for a walk with my friend. He lives on a narrow boat. Would you guys ever consider that? And Lauren was like, absolutely not. Like, I need somewhere to do yoga. I need somewhere to grow vegetables. Like, I need a garden. And I was like, maybe. And then I just started, like, researching it like a madman and just became obsessed with the idea. Um, And I started to show Lauren ways that people grow vegetables and do things like that. And, yeah, it was kind of, we didn't think about it. Our friend had a narrow boat, and he was going to France for the lockdown and offered us to move on to his down in Bath which was a really beautiful way to spend lockdown, actually. It was just, like, in the forest on his boat. And we were like, this will be a good trial. And we feel really blessed for that because it's quite difficult to rent boats. But I always say, if you can, try it before you buy it. Obviously, that's better. And we said we'll give it a few weeks and decide. But within, like, two days, we were like, this is exactly how we want to live. Like, this is just amazing. Um, Yeah, and then soon after, took a loan out from the bank and and bought a boat. And that was now nearly two years ago. So It doesn't sound like you regret it definitely don't regret it can't imagine another one. we even like say these things sometimes like if we won the lottery do you think we'd move off this boat and be like i don't know yeah. <laughs> like, i actually don't know yeah i mean I've, i it's funny people think money makes brings happiness but i've had clients that will be crying in their ferrari just like the ones that are crying in their fiat you know whatever you Absolutely. know you know money doesn't buy it yes it helps of course it does but um it, it doesn't buy happiness i just love that i love that i love the subtle irony that your mum told you that you needed to get a real job and that and then she's the one that suggested the boat i think that's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and i never imagined by having the boat it would create these opportunities like I, my instagram platform was started around having a boat like everything just feels really synchronistically gone mm. the way it was meant to go basically yeah, um, I, think, I think when you start forcing life and you just sort of start to work in alignment, things just start to happen, don't they? You know? Yeah, like when you surrender, again, like learning that the best way to learn this is travel and hitchhiking. Like as soon as you're like, you're there, you really want the ride, you really want the ride, nothing's mm. coming, you're waiting hours on the side of the road and you just give up and then like you just surrender and then someone just stops. He's like, oh, you want to go to Valencia? I'm going there anyway. Jump no in. way. That's and crazy. it's like, 
countless times honestly countless and i said to lauren again recently like now we live a slightly more structured life like we're both self-employed we have this bow we have the dog like you're less open to the surrendering because Mm. you're living more regimented and then i've really been trying to get back into this flow of like not having a plan and seeing what happens and everything just falling into place the way it's meant to i think the reason a lot of people don't believe in this stuff is because we're not open to see it because we're living on autopilot myself included sometimes yeah. and I always if I can switch off for three days and just like leave the boat and just be like literally I'm open let's see what happens magic always oh, magic love it it's funny because the world is always signaling you isn't it it's always like nudging you in different directions I mean people I, I was often talk to people about acceptance and they often say to me oh I'm really trying to accept or I'm really working on acceptance and I say oh there's your problem Acceptance is not an action. It's a non-action. You know, as soon as you find mm. yourself trying to accept, then that's the problem. <laughs> you know, and, and language, like the power yeah. of like, I am trying to do something rather than like, I am doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, like talking, I think language speaks like volumes about what we do. And I always try and check in with people when they say to me something like, I shouldn't, like I, mm. my trigger words, I don't like, I shouldn't, shouldn't. Mm. Um, like don't like if someone says to me don't or if someone says i know Mm. like all these things i'm like it's very careful territory yeah shouldn't shouldn't are the main ones but it's like yeah be really careful about the words you speak yeah shouldn't is always someone else's agenda when someone's telling you you shouldn't do something it's obviously something that offends them or they don't agree with or whatever that doesn't mean it's about you you know Um, or even should it's just it's too definite for me yeah i've had people i used to be a pt and people say i really should lose weight and i say that's interesting way of putting it why should you you know (laughs) and then you find out it's a partner or somebody else that's told them you know that they should lose weight and things like that or a doctor or whatever you know and in some cases they might do but very often if you're trying to lose weight because you think you should or you hate yourself then that's not going to be the motivator needed to keep things on the right path you know so often if you're trying to lose weight because you hate yourself that's not going to stand up in the mirror that i'm sorry (laughs) it's not going to but i'm i'm unsure if i want children um and even this idea i was talking to someone yesterday part of the reason i feel like i want children is because i feel like i've been told i should have children Mm. um which i don't think is a reason to have them right i'm I'm quite like pragmatic about these things i'm not saying i don't want them but yeah, I think a lot of the reason that a lot of people have children is because they they feel like they should. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what you do. Mm. And even these kind of beliefs that are inherent in us, same with, like you say, losing weight or all these yeah. things, it's like, if we get really real with, like, what is my intention here? Like, I would if I have children, which I might do, I want to have a clear intention of why I want them, not just because, oh, like, you know, I'm married now. When When's the children coming? Yeah, I um, think that's the healthiest thing I've heard when it comes to children. I think... If you're not asking yourself, do you want children before you have children? Like that's a big mistake because you can't ask yourself once they're here. <laughs> because yeah. once you have kids, I've it's seen that the hard way with some friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, my brother asked me one time, and I said, I, "Don't get me wrong, I love my boys. I love them more than anything in the world." But I'm going to be real with my brother and say it ain't easy. It's really, really hard. It cause it can sometimes cause a lot of strain on your relationship. You know, you have to sacrifice a lot for children. You have to, you have to be very tolerant when maybe you're not feeling so tolerant. You know, you have to, there's a lot of things that come with having kids. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of amazing things too, but you have to be honest about the, the sort of pitfalls of it as well, you know? So I think yeah. it's really healthy that you're asking that question because you don't want to ask it once they're here. Exactly, late, and I love, that. I love that honesty. And I always have this joke and 
unfortunately have fallen into the same category where anyone I know with children always starts with yeah. the buffer. Yeah. Obviously, they're the best thing that ever yeah, happened yeah, to yeah. me. But yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I only say that in case they listen. <laughs> exactly. But it's like this buffer that everybody says, and then they get into like the really realness yeah. of it. Yeah. But, um, I have no denial how much beauty they bring and how yeah. much great teachers they are to you and stuff. But yeah, oh, I, yeah. I want to be really sure. Yeah. Oh, sometimes, sometimes the questions that get asked by my 10 year old, I literally want to run away. I'm like, I don't know how, like, he's just saw into my soul. <laughs> what is going on? Oh my God, wow. <laughs> like they are, they, they're, they're pure, man. They haven't had mm. the 40 odd years of like conditioning that I've had from life, you know, from all the different people, places and things that I've experienced that have changed my outlook on life. He's just sees things exactly as they are. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, sometimes I have to explain something to him. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense. You're right. You know, <laughs> you know, and actually yeah. the only thing that I can say to him is we just do. And I know, I know as soon as I say we just do, I know there's just something seriously wrong with that, you know, like something really yeah. wrong with it. But I mean, like last, last question, really. I mean, like, let's talk about mindset. I mean, what's, in, what's important about a person's mindset? What's important about a person's mindset? I mean, I guess it's individual, but overall, I'd say that um, for me, understanding that you are the one in control, mm. like I'm a big believer in this saying that like, you are not your mind. And we're led to believe, well, not we're led to believe, but a lot of people are under this impression that their mind and them is like the same thing. Yeah. But in my school of thought, my mind is something I have rather than something I am. Like, I, like my mind implies that there is a mind situation. Like this is my t-shirt. This is my arm. This is my mind. So there's an overriding my, mm. and that's really what I want to be working on first. And then from that place, I can look at how we're going to control my mind. And I think once I made that separation, that for me was like the biggest shift in my life. Yeah, I, I often think about the mind, like the ocean. It's like you can see the ocean and it looks very inviting and all the things. But underneath that water is a current. And if you're not mm. careful, you're going to get pulled into that current and you're going to mm. get dragged wherever that current wants to take you. So sometimes it's about it's not about trying to control the sea it's about trying to navigate like sailing you know when you go sailing you like you use the winds and the currents in the seas and you work with it you don't try and control it you know and it's like that that analogy for me is really helpful because whenever I find myself again sometimes I say oh well that shouldn't be right that shouldn't be right oh wait a minute I'm trying to control it again all right you know and, and again it's that playfulness isn't it like instead of going oh Johnny you're an idiot you promised yourself you would do it it's about saying ah nearly got caught out again nearly get caught out yeah. again and laughing laughing yeah. at it it's yeah. like the best like yeah. even when i slip up now and i get caught in like a a pattern that i don't want to be in just looking back and laughing and being like here mm. we go again yeah, Another yeah. Lesson. There is. yeah exactly and i think when you could get to that point it's a lot more of a it's a much happier journey isn't it i mean no one likes it when whether it's yourself or someone else no one likes being told off no one likes to be told that they're not doing the right thing or whatever it is you know so sometimes you just get we're all human beings man we get caught up in these little things all of us do no matter who we are you know and i think sometimes you just gotta be playful as long as no one's been hurt then just just pick up the lesson put it put it in the back pocket and remember it for later you know but i mean have you got Absolutely. any tools that can help with that mindset for challenging times any tools that you really I think, like? Um, I really like this idea of like labeling the thoughts, thoughts. So mm. essentially like one thing that made me realize how like chattery my mind is, but that I am the observer is you essentially can just sit there because a lot of meditations obviously are based around like 
focusing on your breath and not focusing on not thinking because I hate talking about meditation and that because that's not what it is mm. but it's focused around like keeping a focus and this this idea is you literally sit there with your eyes closed and you wait for a thought to come and as soon as it comes you just like label it like you say to yourself thought and then you just wait again and then you wait for one to come and you say thought and it's like you're really seeing what your mind's creating and you're not the idea is not to get attached on the content of what the thought actually is but just watching them as they come um that's that's a practice that I, I try and use with some of my clients as well to really get into this idea that you're not even creating these thoughts and they are simply just thoughts and some of them are fleeting like yeah did i leave the oven on who's the president of canada at the moment some of them are like more persistent and it's yeah. just that gives you a bit more of an overview of what your mind's currently doing I absolutely love that. I've never heard that before. That's wonderful. I really like that. Again, it's it in like, the toolbox. I will. It's in the back pocket now. <laughs> That's it. I'll, I'll be saying, I'll be ringing someone in a minute going, hey, listen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last, quest, last question, mate. I mean, like, is there anything that you would like to pass on? This is a self-development podcast. Anything that you think would help people with their self-development? Um, I guess kind of just reiterating and echoing what we've already spoke about, but yeah, if you are going through, you know, a time where you feel like your mind's completely in control of you, I'm living proof that there is a way out of it and you are not your mind and you are not your thoughts and yeah, seek help if, if it's, if it's something you want to do and read the power of now. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. You're incredible, mate. You really are. I'm really grateful for you being on, man. I really am like it, you know. It's just your wisdom today. I think it's going to help a lot of people that may not have come across you yet. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, oh, that means a lot. I'm really happy you reached out. No, me too, man. Me too. Uh, hopefully, we're, where, whereabouts is your boat? Like, where do you, where are you sort of, I suppose you move Currently around? Currently around Birmingham, but we're heading yeah. north. But uh, we hang out in Cornwall sometimes. So I'd like uh, to hit you up. That would down. be amazing. That would be great. It'd be really good to catch up, man. It really would. Um, so like, what's next for you and where can people find you just before we go? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, adam.floatinghome. Uh, I've also got a podcast called The Floating Home Podcast that's on Spotify and all stuff like that. Um, they're the main ways you can find me uh, or contact Johnny. I'm sure I'll give you my email or something. Yeah. Um, and what's next? I'm actually trying to move into more of the space of corporate wellness, actually. So taking this um, these mindset ideas into businesses, Um it's kind of in early stages, but that's that's what I'm focusing a lot of attention on at the moment. How exciting. That's really cool. I have to look out for that. Yeah, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of humanization needed in businesses. I think some people get caught up in so much sales and strategies and all these things that they forget the human beings are by and large the same as you, as you've alluded to when, when you traveled. And there are certain things about humans that needs that we need to sort of attend to, really. And I think that Absolutely. can work in business. And I feel like if we can have these tools in the workplace, then, you know, there'll be less people off work with stress. There'll be yeah. less people off work with, like, being signed off and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah, if you work for or own a business and want me to come in, hit me up. That's it. Do it. Do it. I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember speaking to a friend a little while ago who owns a big business. And he came to me and he said, like, you, he said, you like all this mindset stuff, right? I was like, right. <laughs> okay. And he said, I've got this guy. He's not performing very well anymore. He used to be our highest performer. And he's not performing anywhere. What would you do? <clears throat> and I said, what have you done? And he said, I've tried threatening him. I've tried giving him incentives. I've tried all these different things. And I said to him, have you asked him if he's okay? And he went, no. I went, maybe start there. 
And it turned wow. out he was going through a really bad time at home. And actually what he needed was support. So he turned around and he supported him and he, he helped him financially. Um, he helped him with, you know, a bit of advice and some other things. And I just, it, to me, it was just like, like, it's always simpler than you think. Just ask someone, are you all right? Are you okay? Can I help? You know, how can yeah. I be helpful? Because I'm pretty sure whatever he was going through, he didn't need to be threatened his job at the same time. <laughs> that wasn't Absolutely. helping. That wasn't helping. But listen, uh, dude, I love that story. It's, uh, it's been fantastic talking to you. Like I said, thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, I'd like, love to catch up with you when you're next in Cornwall. 100%. Thank you for having me on. No worries, bud. So that's all from me for this episode. Thanks again to my podcast producer, Charlie from Chatter Podcasts. And I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Self Development Podcast.